that we just sang uh, that prayer of surrender and submission, Father, we do pray that you heal our hearts, that you continue to make us clean. Father, show us what it is that we can do uh, to spread your kingdom more into this world. Your word tells us that your kingdom is here and kingdom is now. Father, show us how we can actively be a part, not just sit passively on the sidelines, but show us what to do. Show us where to go. And as we pray that, Father, my prayer is that we have open ears to the word that you've delivered to Pastor Joe today. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this place. Most importantly, thank you for the gift of your son who looked past our sin, who looked past our failure, who bore our sin, bore our shame, died on the cross and rose again. And we, ab- we are able to stand victorious in him today. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good job. We got some really good musicians in our worship team. Some of the... Some of the, some of the best, some of the best in town. Some of the best in town. So, uh, I'm Joe Davis. I'm the pastor here. We're continuing our series. We have one more week in Third John. Then after that, we're going to start a little series on the life of Joseph. I'm really excited about it. And where we go from there is anybody's guess. But at least for 15 weeks, we'll do some Joseph action going on. All right. Uh, a little bit of Old Testament. Um, so. This week, the message is titled Loving Beautiful Feet. So, as I lament another Brady Super Bowl, I have a transformational idea. What if the NFL had missionaries? No, 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 hear me out. Listen carefully. What if, just dream with me for a moment, okay? Imagine. What if the Patriots decided they loved the Bucks fans enough? to sacrifice so that we could feel what it's like to win again. I mean, what if the Patriots for a year said, we're going to send our money and our players to Tampa to spread the good news of the success of the NFL to areas that just don't know anything about it anymore? Seriously, what if they sent Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for a year just to build and plant a new football franchise here in the Bay Area. How amazing would it be if Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, did that for long-suffering Tampa fans? I must tell you that if that were to happen, I would consider him the greatest, most sacrificial, godly, compassionate man on the planet today. Could you imagine how cool that would be? Obviously, that's not going to happen because the Patriots want to make sure that they keep winning. And anything to do with Tampa at this point when it comes to football is not going to help your process of winning, clearly as we see. So with that idea in mind, I want to talk a little bit about beautiful feet today. People who take the good news to other places. Here's the passage in 3 John. It's verses 5 through 8. Behold, or beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified of your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, in other words, unbelievers. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So I want to talk about the history of the passage. What about man? What's going on? And what's happening? The idea behind today's passage is sacred support. 
So there are two things I want you to understand what's going on here. John is affirming this man Gaius for the fact that he is incredibly hospitable to people who are traveling from town to town taking the gospel. These were gospel pioneers. They were going out into the world with the gospel, and it was a crucial component to the expansion of the early church. I mean, what the church did is it started as a Jewish movement in Jerusalem. And then after Jewish authorities decided to draw lines, cultural and political lines around these people that were claiming to know Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, it forced these people to expand outside of Jerusalem. It was in response to Christians beginning to take the message of the gospel to other regions for two main purposes. One, they wanted to escape persecution at the hands of Jewish leaders who wanted them killed most often. The other thing is, they remember Jesus had given them a great commission, going to all the world, teaching everyone about the gospel, baptizing them in the name of, the Je- in the name of Jesus. So these early missionaries, they were going on this journey. They were leaving what they were comfortable. They were leaving Jerusalem. They were going on. And they were instructed to love and to serve and to teach the gospel to those who had not heard it yet. Not only that, they were to teach them and serve them relentlessly without expecting any support or money in return. They weren't to go and preach to people who didn't know Jesus and then pass an offering plate. They were just supposed to go and serve for free. They were taught to rely on only the support of other fellow believers in that region to fund and support their endeavors. These incredibly intelligent, gifted, Talented people would take these perilous journeys with no plan for food or lodging or anything. And by faith, they would enter into a town, connect with other believers, both Jewish and Gentiles, trusting that they would be provided for once they arrived. Not just provided for, but abundantly provided for while they were there. So you can see how these gospel pioneers were pretty amazing people. But they couldn't have done it without that essential partnership that Gaius represents in today's passage. And you can understand how crucial Christian hospitality was for the movement at this particular time. How crucial it was to a weary traveler who's leaving his home and going into places he knows nothing about. And all he can do is hope and trust that the Christians there have heard the command to receive them and provide for them while they share the gospel. Gaius was one of those who faithfully provided shelter, money, food, everything they would need for their task, even if Gaius did not even know who they were. They would come with credentials from the apostles, with a letter or whatever saying, I I recommend this person, he's good, you can bring him in. And Gaius would, when, he, when somebody he didn't know came into the region to preach the gospel, they had these credentials, he would open up his home. See, Gaius was probably not gifted as a teacher, a preacher, or a communicator. But what he did was just as essential to the church as what the missionaries were doing. So much so that John saw it necessary to write a special letter called 3 John to commend Gaius for his faithfulness. 
Everyone knew that if you were carrying the gospel message, and if you happened to venture into Gaius's region, he had your back. Like, I don't know what's happening. I'm going to the Gaius's region. I just do, I know this. Whether I'm received by people who know Jesus or not, I know one thing. Gaius will be there and he'll help me. If I can just get to this part of my journey, I know Gaius will give me what I need. He was well known for this. And John says, Gaius, I want you to continue doing this in a manner worthy of God. In other words, keep treating them like you would treat Jesus. So that's the history. Pretty cool, right? Look at the spiritual aspect. This is what does God do and why and how does he do it? I want to talk about this sacred partnership. You know, as Jesus was leaving the earth to make way for the Holy Spirit after his resurrection and, and Pentecost and all that, he set up a new vision and a structure for how the message of the cross would be spread. And that structure has endured to this day. Here's the passage, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the first aspect of this sacred partnership I want you to see is God's spirit. You know, it's a fascinating process God uses to call his people out of darkness into light fellowship, and connection with him. His plan was to develop and fund a worldwide, the world as it was known then, a worldwide, systematic, strategic network of disciple makers, gifted and talented disciple makers, not just cast-offs, but the best of the best. And their focus would be on expanding the kingdom of the gospel everywhere they went. And God created this process that made salvation through the gospel extremely accessible and extremely efficient in the early church days. That process is still effective and in place today. He gifted these teachers, filled them with his spirit, and then in the process of that, he calls and opens the ears and eyes and hearts and minds of the people that need to hear the gospel. And they are given the ability to call upon the name of the Lord. And as he says, whoever calls upon him will be saved. He is pouring out his spirit on the whole world through gifting people and enabling people to hear what the gifted people are teaching. He's creating a worldwide church out of two types of people, Jewish and Gentiles, everywhere possible, not just Jerusalem. And the only way to do that is people go and walk to places and preach. God is actively collecting his worshipers. And he exclusively uses his people in that collection process. It's pretty, it's ridiculous. He's trusting us to collect worshipers for him for all eternity. It's amazing. But then there's the beautiful feet part of this sacred partnership. Did you know the concept of beautiful feet we're going to read a passage about it in a minute. Goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It has always been how God operated. He always used the frailty of humanity to spread his truth. In Isaiah 52, 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, 
who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. In Nahum, do you all know there's a book in the Bible called Nahum? I bet you many of you didn't even know that. Did you know that? There's a Bible. Come on, that was a good one. Anybody ever read Nahum? Okay. Chapter 1, verse 15. Behold upon the mountains the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. By the way, traveling on mountains is not easy. Early on, the apostles understood that support for this process was crucial for the survival of the movement. Believers in each area were instructed to do whatever was necessary to support those that were traveling far and wide with the message of redemption. So there were two things, God's spirit and the beautiful feet. God's spirit and the beautiful feet. All working together in unison to fulfill the great commission. So now we come to the personal side of it. I got news for you. Beautiful feet aren't free. We have to fill our role as a church or we miss out on so much. So here was my uh, my uh, social media campaign this week for the sermon. The Great Commission isn't just about going. The sending is just as sacred. Why do I say that? Sometimes we venerate the goers. But we underestimate the importance of the sending. Sometimes we underestimate it so much we don't even participate in it. And that's not good. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 15. Here's what Paul says is the process. How then will they call upon him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let me just say, this is, listen carefully to me. This is the hardest part of being a pastor in America. To develop a passion for big, costly, outside financial and human investment. Especially when your local congregation doesn't see the immediate immediate benefits right away. See, it's not as immediately visible as a new building. It's not as easily enjoyed as when we spend money on our kids or for good musicians on Sunday morning. Look, I don't want you to hear me say that we shouldn't seek to meet the needs of those in our midst. We certainly should. We should do things well, as good as we possibly can with the resources God has given us. We have to be in tune with what the flock needs so that people can continue to feel connected. But the problem is, especially in America, churches have become over-obsessed with this. And suddenly, running the church feels like a company. Distracted by what we can see immediately. Marketing, messaging, logos, websites, brochures, bulletins, sleek announcements. And we work so hard to make sure the messaging here is so good, we spend so much time and energy and money, we don't have anything left for the beautiful feet. 
You could see how when resources for a church are limited, that sacrificing like Gaius did for beautiful feet might be the first thing we cut. Well, we'd like to do that, but we got to take care of stuff around here. It could lead, possibly, to seeing this type of sacrifice, supporting the beautiful feet, as something that we do someday. Not yet, but in the future. Or it could become a lower priority, even if we are doing it now. Or maybe we say, well, you know, that's not really relevant to our vision and purpose at this moment. But let me tell you something. If a church is overly focused on meeting our own desires and wants and needs, it will exhaust us. This is not where joy, contrary to popular opinion, meeting our own needs as a church is not where joy comes from. And what is joy? The supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God over anything else. We need to make sure that we are cooperating with God's sacred plan. So the question is, how do we stay motivated for our crucial task of sending beautiful feet? First of all, we have to be motivated by love. So I have another illustration that's kind of Super Bowl related. So, uh, when Dylan, see that's Dylan, you guys know Dylan back there. Dylan's always telling about how great Tom Brady is. Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. He's a goat. Yeah, he looks like a goat. I know he doesn't, but that's what I want to say, all right? Goat means greatest of all time. Unless you hate him, then it just means goat. Um, But... When Dylan is trying to tell me about Tom Brady, he's not really trying to convince me to love Tom Brady. He knows that that would take a supernatural act of God. (laughs) Dylan just loves Tom Brady. And he loves to talk about him. Every time we bring up football, oh yeah, but Tom Brady? I mean, it's, it's like a broken record. But think about it. That's the way the process of spreading the gospel should work. It's what motivates those with beautiful feet, talented, gifted, beautiful feet for teaching and preaching. It's what motivates them to go. We just love our Jesus. And we love talking about him. The results are not up to us. Convincing someone to follow Jesus is a supernatural act of God. I don't care how persuasive you think you are. In the end, God has to do the calling and the enlightening and the quickening. But there is a privilege to being beautiful feet. And that is this. It is irresistible to those with the gift of teaching that love Jesus to not talk about it. So first of all, we see it's motivated by love. But then we also see there's joyful support. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, let the elders who rule be well considered, worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Paul is telling Timothy, those in the church that are preaching and teaching, make sure you do everything you can to give them what they need, because they're worthy of double honor, and they're worthy of their wages, they're higher. Look, we know that going, when somebody leaves comfort and goes... 
whether it be the other side of town or Africa or wherever, we know that going is inspiring, right? We're amazed at them. It's a sacrificial service. After all, it does take especially talented, gifted, beautiful feet and willing hearts to do that job. We have an affection for those taking the gospel to our community and beyond, and we have affection for them for good reason. They're doing something that some of us can't do. And when God puts that type of talent in our midst, we must do everything that we can to empower and support them. <clears throat> we underestimate just how sacred, how precious, how crucial the commitment to providing for beautiful feet really is. The Great Commission desperately needs those like Gaius and hopefully like Grace Life providing relentless, tangible, financial support and provision for beautiful feet. The sending, provision, and support for those beautiful feet is just as honorable and sacred as actually being beautiful feet and going. It is just as sacred, just as precious. Our relentless support of beautiful, beautiful feet brings indescribable joy for a church. And I'll explain why. It is very powerful when we provide support to those on the front lines of ministry, even if we don't even know them that well. Gaius didn't know the people that were coming to him. But trust me, I know from personal experience, the encouragement and affirmation that you feel when God's people believe in you with their treasure, their actual dollars, is huge. If we are going to be a church that makes heavenly dads smile, and not just each other smile, by the way, we must be passionate and dedicated to both parts of the process that God has ordained for his kingdom expansion. It allows us, and according to today's passage, to be fellow workers for the truth. And we don't do this because we should, although we should. That's not our motivation. We do this, why? Because we get to. When we do this, here's why it's a great source of joy. Because we see the presence of God manifest itself through this process. How he uses humans. How he enlightens humans. And saves them and transforms them. Maybe turns some of them into beautiful feet. And some of them into supporters of beautiful feet. This divine process that God set in motion is for this reason. So that we can experience the power of his presence in the hearts of others. What is joy? The supernatural satisfaction with the presence of God over anything else. This is the best way to experience it. And the best example for this is my favorite church of all time, the Philippian church, who had very little resources and money, but sent out some of the most beautiful feet ever in the history of the church. Paul says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, 
always in every prayer of mine for you all, making prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you see what supporting beautiful feet made Paul feel like? When you Philippians support me in my endeavors, it just blows me away. And from the very first day, you've been a partner with me in everything I've done. In Corinth, in Ephesus, in Colossae, in Thessalonica, everywhere I go, your support has enabled and empowered me to do it. Church, we will be filled with joy when we endeavor to relentlessly be beautiful feet. And when we don't have the skill set to, we relentlessly support the beautiful feet that God has entrusted us with. Do you understand? When God sends you beautiful feet, he's saying, I trust you with this gift and this resource. Make sure they have everything they need to take the gospel where you aren't able to go. Heavenly Dad, we're so thankful for beautiful feet. We're thankful that you give us passion to support those beautiful feet. Lord, we confess to you that sometimes supporting beautiful feet is the last thing on our agenda. When it should be the first. We ask that you would help us to be better equipped to calibrate our commitment so that we can experience full joy of being involved in your process. In Jesus' name.